0: Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message.
1: All right, let's uh, take a look at Second Kings chapter 6. The context of uh, the story that we're looking at uh, is in verse 8, and it goes all the way through verse 23. But for the sake of time, I'm going to read verses 14 through 17, and uh, that will give you the heart of the matter, and I believe it will sound very familiar to you. So let's read that, and then let's dedicate this time to the Lord. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night And surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, "Alas, my master, what shall we do?" So he so he answered, "Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them." And Elisha prayed and said, "Lord, I pray, open his eyes." that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it is alive and active. It is powerful. It is effective in accomplishing the work for which it has been sent. So Lord, In these remaining moments that we will share together, we humble ourselves. I pray, Lord God, for a clarity of thought and an ability to receive that which is in your heart for us today. So, Lord, open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. May our hearts, Lord God, be free, Lord God, to incorporate and apply that which we are about to discover And we pray for you to be at work in each of us. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So the story that we just read is a historical event that took place. Um, I, I, I say that very intentionally because sometimes we throw around the term Bible stories, and that may imply truth or fiction. And I want you to know this morning that as we look at this uh, event in the life of Elisha and his servant, that this is actually something that took place. It's historic. It is something that speaks to us today because it is not a fable or a fairy tale, but rather it is the Word of God being brought to us so that we can learn something about our God. And then specifically here, how to stand uh, in the midst of uh, adversity and trial. Because that is the essence of the story. We see an event where an army gathers against the prophet and his servant. And, and uh, they find themselves in a place of needing to know how to respond. So we have one story, one circumstance. We have two individuals and two completely different responses. And as we look at those responses, we can discover... And we can find within our own hearts the way that we are supposed to respond when things of life gather against us. Because, you know, you may not have found yourself in a place where an army was gathering against you. But guess what? There are moments in time where life gathers against you. And there are things that take place that want to challenge our faith. They want to challenge our view of God. They want to become heavy burdens upon us so that we become very narrow in our focus and not faith-filled and knowing and seeing and believing that God is able to respond and to move on our behalf. So that, in essence, is what we're going to do. We're simply going to take a look at the two individuals who are in this story. We're going to take a look at their response, and then we're going to see how it educates us in regards to standing firm when things gather against us. So, Let's just begin there. Let's look at the two people that we find in this story. Two different people, the same experience, two different perspectives. The first one is Elisha. Now that is probably a name that you are familiar with. Elisha was a prophet of God. He was a student of Elijah I know sometimes as I'm reading the Bible, sometimes I I inadvertently transpose those two guys because their names are so similar. And uh, I think I've even been guilty of saying that Elisha did things that Elijah did. Have you ever found yourself there? Yeah, so these two guys, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was an original prophet. Elisha was his student. And um, he, he took on the mantle of Elijah. And Elisha's calling, his role, his function as prophet was was one where he was responsible for bringing the word of the Lord to the nation so that they would turn away from the false gods of the countries around them and devote themselves to the one true living God of Israel and he finds himself in the place that he is at in 2 Kings chapter 6 because he is effective in that office Sometimes um, sequels are not as good as the original, right? So we might think that Elisha is a little bit lower than Elijah. But Elisha was effective and he was renowned and he was known to be a man of God who God spoke to and who God used to accomplish God's purposes. And that's exactly the reason why he's surrounded by an army right now. Verse 12 says this, it says, Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words you speak in your bedroom. Now, now, why were those words spoken? They were spoken because the king of Syria wanted to overtake Israel. So he has mobilized his army, he's created a battle plan, he is, he is doing certain things to, to try to uh, defeat Israel. And he finds that Israel is prepared for him every time he moves. So there's this conversation taking place at night one night in the king's tent. And he says, there must be a traitor. There must be somebody who's telling Israel what we are about to do. And the servant of the king of Syria says, no, there isn't a traitor. But there is a man named Elisha. And Elisha speaks the words that you say in your bedroom to the king of Israel. So the king of Syria, in his infinite wisdom, says, it would be good for me to take this man out. He finds out where he is, mobilizes the army again, and he surrounds him. So Elisha is a prophet of God that is known for his ability to hear the voice of God and to help his nation. And because of that, and because of his experience, as he sees the army in the morning surround them and gather against them, his response is this. He's filled with faith and he recognizes that God is his deliverer. So he's not just sizing things up by what the natural eye can see, But he is standing on his experiences with the Lord and the faithfulness of God and how it has been demonstrated in his life. And he sees the army and he just says this. He says, I know that God is my deliverer. That is not the place that the servant found himself. The servant responds to the same experience with a different response. And his response was this. He could see the danger but not the deliverance. He could see the danger and not the deliverance. In other words, the servant of Elisha was seeing only those things that stood in front of him. And as a young man, he had not had those experiences that were filling his heart with faith. And he responds in fear. And he responds in a way that says, oh my goodness, we're doomed. (laughs) His heart was just kind of filled with angst. And I want to say this about the servant. Don't look down on him. Don't you do that sometimes when you read the biblical stories? You say, yeah, I'd be like Elisha and not like the servant, but the reality is that sometimes we find ourselves kind of like both. And the, the servant is an example to us of how not seeing the things that gather against us with faith can constrict the response of our heart. He had kind of a tunnel vision. and He's probably saying some things like this to himself. Well, um, I've never experienced anything like this, and I don't have the resources to deal with this. This must be the end. Or he might have said something like, this is a fine mess I've gotten myself into. Maybe God has abandoned me. Sometimes we respond the same way. When we look at only the circumstances, we're not filled with faith. But rather, we become filled with things that hold us down. And the reality of this story and why it should encourage us is this Elisha, as the wise prophet of God, did not um, look down upon the servant but rather he recognized it as a moment in time that was going to provide the servant with a greater revelation of God's power and ability. And because of that, he didn't turn away from him, he didn't put him down, but rather he shepherded a process that built the young man up. And you know, we find ourselves there periodically. So those two individuals in this one story with their different responses, it's not unique to that moment, but it is something that still happens today. And in fact, I believe it brings a question to all of us this morning, a question that we have to process, a question that we have to reconcile within our own hearts. And and I'm going to give you that question, and it's, it's a little bit long and a little bit lengthy, so hang with me here, but I believe it's going to hit home this story in Elisha's life asks us this question. As we live in an ever-increasingly complicated world that is growing in its opposition to the church and the work of God, how have you been responding to what is going on around you? Have you had an Elisha response that is endeavoring to open the door to faith and what God has done and what God can do? Or have you had a servant response that was only seeing the reality that was standing right in front of you? Or maybe you have had a little bit of both. I believe that no matter how we answer that question for ourselves, today God wants to just move us forward. You know, this question, what is God doing in our day, in our hour, and how can we be a part of it, is something that our leadership has been praying through, it's been a part of the reasons for the the, the day retreats that we've been doing here recently, and it is something that we all are having to reconcile because this is a new season. The world has changed around us. And we, like Elisha and his servant, have to reconcile within our own hearts, how are we going to respond? So I want to begin to paint a picture a little bit in regards to what I sense and hear God doing, not just here in Rock Church, but around the country. You know, as I speak with other pastors on the East Coast and the West Coast, my ears perk up when I start to hear the same thing. And I've been hearing that to, to some degree. And I believe it, it begins to, to, to open a window for us to see what God is doing in our day so that, so that we can respond in partnership and in faith and be a part of it. I don't have the whole picture, but let me tell you what I know. And it begins with this, God is in control and He is at work. God is in control and He is at work. I don't doubt that for a moment. His faithfulness has been on display in such an incredible fashion over these last six or seven months that it just reminds me that we are not alone. He is still the Lord of the church watching over his people. But a part of what I believe he is doing within the church is this. I believe he's preparing the church to function outside these four walls more than we are used to. To, to sum it up, uh, in a simple phrase, and I think maybe I think Amy Orum, uh mentioned this on Tuesday night in our our elder and deaconess meeting. But it's it's a phrase that I believe just kind of quantifies what God is doing, and it's this: it's not outside in, but it's inside out. Here's what I mean by that: the uh, the church in in North America has gone through a season in time. Were an awful lot of what defined us, an awful lot of what we did, and an awful lot of where we spent our time and our energy and our resources was right here in this room. And that's not a bad thing. But I believe that we're being reminded that what takes place in this room happens so that we can take it out there. And that's the inside-out part of what I believe God is doing in our day. You know, months ago I told you that I felt like we were in an Acts kind of moment where, you know, the, the, the church is birthed on the day of Pentecost. They receive the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Peter preaches the gospel for the first time. And a part of the assignment that God had given the church in that moment was you were going to take this message to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utter ends of the world. And it takes seven or eight chapters before they leave Jerusalem. And what's the context they leave Jerusalem under? It's persecution and trial and difficulty. And I feel like what God is doing in the church and what he's speaking um, across our nation is that church, when you gather together to worship me, that is a great thing, but that is something that you are not called to keep to yourself. Now one of the unique things about um, three services is this, Um, most of the weeks the messages get a little bit better as they get preached. You get a little bit of time to have it settle in, you get a little bit of time for other thoughts to come your way, and you're going to get something that uh, the other two services didn't get. I felt in between the services just as I, I kind of um, went over to the other building just to get, to get some water and, and uh, just kind of reset and get ready. I just felt like the Lord said to remind everybody this hour that we are called to a childlike faith. And this is what came to me as I had that thought run through my mind. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And I don't remember all of the words to that uh, child song, but I remember the part, Hide it under a bush, no, no, I'm going to let it shine. And I think that um, sometimes we allow our hearts and our minds to arrive at the place where we think those are children's songs that don't have meaning for us. When that song reminds us that God is in control, He is at work, and He's using us in this hour to reveal and to declare the gospel. Here's one little fact that um, feeds this belief. There was a recent study done, and it found this about the church in North America. People share their faith when they are young in Christ, but after they've been in church for a long period of time, not so much. So that's a snapshot in regards to the church at large. And when I heard that and I saw that and I read that, I said, you know what, Lord, you are doing something new today because it can't stay that way. In fact, shouldn't it be the opposite? That the more you know Christ and the longer you've walked with him, the more you have to share. So God help us in that. Sometimes things gather against us and we get this tunnel vision It just becomes about what we see in front of us and not about the greater work that we have been called to be a part of. The only way that we're going to have an Elisha response is if we view and have a vision for the things that are going on today that looks like this. We have to recognize that the truest vision for our lives is the vision of faith. It's not just what we see, but it is what God calls us to. And stepping out in obedience when he opens a door and invites us to be a part of something. Because our culture will tell us this, seeing is believing. But the gospel and the word of God tells us this, that believing is seeing. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. So we're, we're called to have a ready faith. We're called to have a faith that goes. We're called to have a faith that stands. We're called to have a faith that says, I see all of these things in front of me, but I know that God is bigger. And I want to encourage you in that today. We see the politics. We see the economy We see the divisions in our land. We see the restrictions that are being placed upon. We see the things that seem impossible. And I I hear too many people kind of putting up a a white flag saying, you know what, it's just time to surrender. There's no hope. But I want to tell you today, this is an hour of triumph for the people of God. This is a moment in time where I believe the Lord is calling us to live inside out having an influence in the marketplace like we saw in the book of Acts. And what you do may look a little bit different than what I do, but we are doing it out of obedience to the call of God and understanding that He is the one who is orchestrating all that is happening. So, the truest vision for our life is that we walk by faith and not by sight. And we live in a culture that wants to sell you a, a vision and a plan for your life, and it involves all kinds of things. There's there, there, there's no lack of opportunity or options. I just want to tell you today, church, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Elisha's example to us is is one that that calls us to lift our eyes and to see the greater work that God is doing, and that is not a that 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 is not a unique. The call to have our vision lifted. You know, in, in this story, we see it with with the, the, the eyes of the servant being opened. And, and, and where were the armies of the Lord and the chariots of fire? They were surrounding Elijah on the mountaintop. So the, the servant had to look up. He had to look up above the armies that were standing in front of him. His vision was lifted. This is a work that God does within us. And Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, when men say peace and safety, Look up, because your redemption draweth nigh. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 121, the pilgrim psalm. It was a a psalm that was written for those who were journeying to Jerusalem to partake in Passover. And there was this reality that as they came from the places that they lived and they saw Jerusalem, they saw Jerusalem up on a hill and they knew that the journey from there to Jerusalem was filled with danger was filled with wild beasts and robbers and things that could inflict injury. So as they looked at the reality in front of them, they knew that if they were going to make it from point A to point B, they had to lift their eyes. And the psalmist writes, I lift my eyes up into the hills from whence comes my help. My help, it comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There was a raising of vision. There was a, a renewed focus on the Lord as danger presented itself. And as they pilgrim to Jerusalem, enter into to the Passover celebration, as they sung that psalm, they were reminding themselves, when the Creator is on my side, I don't have to fear anything created. No beast, no robber, no terrain. I proceed forward to that place that God has called me to. Let's lift up our eyes. I think this essentially is what Elisha was helping to facilitate in the life of his servant. He wanted him to see some certain things. There are three things that jumped out at me that I believe Elijah or Elisha. See, I told you I would do it, didn't I? Yeah. Things that Elisha wanted his servant to see. And the first one was this, it was God's providence. Elisha wanted his servant to see that they were not alone. That there was more going on than the natural eye could see. And that's the essence of verse 16. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha caring for his servant, responding in care, wanting to see him uh, mature in his position and understanding. Helped him to see that God is a providential God, which means this. The providence of God is an attribute or a characteristic of God that reminds us that he is active in the world, that he intervenes, he guides, he governs, and he is not withdrawn, but rather he is active. The same is true for you and me today. God has not changed. So, like the servant, let's see a bigger picture of God as we live in our day. And and, and I'm encouraged by the position that we have because it is unchanging, and there are always more who are for us than against us, and it's just simple math. When Lucifer fell, how much of the heavens went with him? One-third. What does the simple math tell us? Two-thirds are on our side. I like that. I like that. You know, there is a, there is a resource from heaven that is two to one compared to what can come against us. We should be confident, We should never forget the position that we have. We have the mathematical advantage. And if that were not enough, let me remind you today of the position that you have in Christ. Because this is the absolute game changer. And if the math were against us, this would, this would level everything out. Because the Spirit of God dwells within you. And what do the Scriptures reveal to us about the Spirit of God and the, the significance of the fact that it dwells within us? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead it dwells within you. So that, that Spirit that raised Christ unto life, that, that overcame death and the grave, is the one that dwells within you. You. So we are to be a people of high vision, full of faith, knowing that we are not in a position of weakness, but we are in a position of strength. Why? Because of God's providence and what he has done. So let's raise our vision and faith for our day as we ponder what God has done. I want to remind you of one more simple truth because that's a very personal application for our lives. Let me, let me remind you of a corporate application. The church belongs to God. The Lord is the builder and the protector and the provider of the church. To the degree that the Gospels tell us that the very gates of hell will not prevail. So what does that mean for us corporately and as a body? Well, it means that we win. (laughs) And we should expect many victories until the final victory. God is unchanging, and He is active, and He is with us. Elisha also wanted his servant to not only see God's providence, but he wanted him to see God's promise and protection. The protection of the Lord was something that I think the young man wrestled with, because we see in verse 15, he he asks this question, what shall we do? And it's the right question. You know, you ask yourself that question many times every day, right? But I think it was the place that the question came from that Elisha was concerned about because Elisha's response to the young man's question was this, do not be afraid. And in that response, it initiated a series of events that were going to reveal God's protection for His people. And if you find yourself in a place where, where fear is wanting to encroach on you, I was struck in the last service of this truth you know that there are 365 scriptures in the Bible that address fear. So the Lord in his infinite wisdom knew what we would be dealing with and he literally has given us a promise for every day of the year to help us overcome the encroachment of fear in our lives. From the world's standpoint, we are encouraged to size things up by what we can only see. When in reality, the protection of God is not always visible with the natural eye. And Paul put it this way, if God before us, who can be against us? God's protection is with you. And it's with me. Then we have God's promises. Uh, the Old and the New Testament give us a promise that um, supersedes every circumstance that we can encounter. Deuteronomy six and Hebrews 13.5 remind us that the Lord has made this promise to us. I will never leave you or forsake you. We've sung about the promises of God today. We've preached on the promises of God recently. We consistently share things, one with another, that remind us of the promises of God. And what is the reason for that? Well, when the promises of God are not an active ingredient in our life, we tend to kind of look at the things in front of us this way. But when we understand God through the promises that He has made, we see the big picture, and our vision is expanded and it is increased. So there's a level of intentionality that I want to call us to today. In in, in this day of high challenge, in this day of high adversity, in this day of Of uh, not knowing what tomorrow might hold because hold your breath, something's going to change. What is the ground you are to stand on? It's the scripture and the promises that God has made. Because they are powerful, they are effective, they are alive, they are the bread of life. And they are the only thing that lifts our vision. And gives us clarity where there is confusion. So when we lose sight of God as our protector and God as the giver of promise, there are some things that begin to kind of work within our heart. And maybe this helps you to evaluate where you are at today. Because when those things are absent... Frustration and discouragement and fear they creep in. But when those things are present, we begin to experience purpose and significance and strength. So as we ponder that, I want to give you a question that we will close with. And it really is just a question that is meant for you to kind of evaluate and examine your own heart. And that question is this. When you look at life, what do you see? When you look at life today, what do you see? So why don't you stand? Why don't we humble ourselves before the Lord and bow our heads? And we're just going to kind of create a moment for you to answer that question. You know, maybe you all learn to, 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 to walk and to live like Elisha, but if it's a mixed bag right now, or if you're just kind of going through some conflicting things in your heart. I want you to know that the Lord is your ever-present help in time of need. And as you ponder the question, you know, what, what, what do you look at? When, what, what do you, when you look at life, what do you see? You know, it's just time just to kind of hand over whatever you don't need to carry. So we'll have a moment of silence and you just kind of have that conversation with the Lord. As we kind of ponder that question, let's make our anthem uh, the chorus to the song that we've already sung. Pastor Marty, just lead us in uh, the chorus, I Need You More. And let's just let that be our declaration of dependency on the Lord as we look at how we have been facing life and the things that have been in front of us. I need you more.
0: you, Lord. I need you, Lord.
1: Lord, we are dependent on you. We thank you that no matter what may gather against us, you are still a God who is active in our lives and in the world. You are God of our protection, and you have given us many promises. Lord, I just pray that as we we ponder this story of Elisha and his servant, Lord, that we would, uh, we would move in the direction of having increased faith and greater vision. May anything that would stand in the way of that, Lord God, be identified and may. You shepherd us and help us, Lord God, to eliminate those things. Father, we thank You that You have placed us here in this day and in this hour. And I pray, Lord God, that we would, for such a time as this, be the church, Lord, who builds Your kingdom and brings glory to Your name every head bowed and every eye closed you may be here today and you don't know Christ as your lord and savior everything that we have talked about today begins with knowing Jesus and here is what Christ does the scriptures say that he gives beauty for ashes and sometimes we see ourselves and we're in this place where where you know life has just been difficult and there's been brokenness and We struggle to know the way forward. and As we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, He not only brings forgiveness, but there is a work of redemption that happens in us that that causes us to rise above those things that have taken place. And if you're here today, you say, I'd like to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'd like to know His forgiveness. Give my life to Him. We'd like to just know who you are by the show of a hand. And we'll... Pray a prayer that just establishes that commitment and begins your journey, and we will pray that together. Is there anyone here today that would say, I need to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. Make Him the Lord of my life. Give me a moment. Lord, we thank You for the time that we've shared together this weekend. Lord, I pray now that as we go, may your blessing rest upon your people. May your grace and your peace go with us. May you watch over us and keep us. And may you bring us back again safely very soon. But between now and then, Lord God, may there be many opportunities this week to share the good things that you have done. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Good to see you today. God bless. As you go, encourage one another on the way out. And um, we will look forward to seeing you soon and worshiping together again. God bless.
0: Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.